It is a much different day from last Sunday, isn't it? Yeah? It's amazing we get to uh, this building. It's, it was a sunny day. I was a little bit chipper coming in today. I, I have to admit that. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read the text. Paul says, you remember on this, he has spoken about his denial of himself of liberties and then he moves on and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start at 15 and uh, finish the chapter. He says, but I have used none of these things. He's talking about his liberties and he's talking about his right to earn a living from the gospel. He says, and I'm not writing these things so that I'll be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my Reward that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, being myself under the law so that I may win those who are under the law to those who are without law as without law though not being without the law of God but under the law of Christ so that I might win those who are without law to the weak I become weak that I might win the weak I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. <clears throat> Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So we, we come to this text and he's talking about, notice he says, Verse 18, if I preach the gospel, if I offer the gospel. Verse 16, for I preached the gospel. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So clearly what Paul is not talking about, he's not talking about sports. He's not talking about um, exercise and boxing. What he is using that as a metaphor, he is talking about the propagation of the gospel. If the gospel is the greatest message and Christ is the only solution to the problem of sin, what is stopping the church in proclaiming Christ? Here's the question as we look at this text. 
Let's bring it down to a personal level. I ask this question. What is stopping you from maximizing your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaiming the gospel to as many folks in your sphere of influence? What is stopping you? For, for many, I, I, I know all of you here, right? I don't think it's murder that's stopping you from proclaiming the gospel. Like, not many of you guys have been killing people, I hope, right? Or it's not even big sins of adultery, right? But from my experience and from, from my own heart and from me just being in ministry for a few years, the greatest hindrance to the proclamation of the gospel in one's life is quite simply apathy. Just apathy. Just a lack of concern, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of care. As a new Christian, you can be, when you first come to Christ, you can be so excited with your forgiveness and new relationship with Christ that it is all that occupies your mind and your heart. Knowing Christ and making him known. But as time goes on, sin and carelessness and laziness and holding on to your liberties no matter what, and sports and hobbies and social media and possessions, human relationships even, start to take a more prominent place in your life over the purpose and proclamation of Christ. The world, your flesh, and Satan may not lure you with the worst sin. Simply to the least productive sin of apathy, that lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of all interest and all enthusiasm and all concern. So God gave this passage in this, in this text. He gave it to you so that you would do whatever it takes to Christ to others. And that's the title of our sermon. Whatever it takes. To do whatever it takes. And God gives us two spiritual, he gives you two sp- spiritual soul-stirring motivations for you to do whatever it takes to proclaim Christ to others. Verse, verse 15 says, I am not saying these things to boast. I'm not trying to get paid. This is what Paul is saying in verse 15. I'm not just saying these things because you remember in, verse, in the verses before, he was, trying to, he was telling others of his right to the gospel to make his living. And he says, but I'm not taking my right. He says, I'm not doing this to boast. I'm not trying to say or manipulate to get paid. But here are my motivations. And he's going to explain it all the way to the end of chapter 9. These are my motivations solely based in Christ and the gospel. Paul is saying, would you join me in doing whatever it takes to proclaim the gospel? I'm not trying to boast. I'm sharing my joy in the hopes that you would share in this joy too. Now, as a caveat, I know what some folks might think. As a caveat, this does not mean to sin 
Or to adopt a philosophy of ministry that runs counter to scripture. Well, the preacher said whatever it takes. No, that's not what I'm saying. Notice in verse 27. He says, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Notice in 27, he says he doesn't want to be disqualified. You have to compete with the rules. You have to follow in a game. You have to compete with the rules. Or else you're disqualified. And what Paul is saying here is we don't do God's way any way that we want. See, some, Christ, some churches or ministries may use fleshly means to try and accomplish Christ's commission. That is not what we're talking about here. We don't advocate nor support that. We believe in not only doing God's will, but doing God's will God's way. In other words, we are not free to do church any way you want. No. In other words, we are, we, God has outlined how we are to minister the word of God. So what Paul is talking about in this text are the personal life decisions you must make which may involve discipline and denial and sometimes sacrifice all for the sake of the cause of the gospel of Christ. So number one, here's your first motivation that God gives. Number one, this is a mind-blowing motivation. You, you personally get to contribute to the greatest cause. That is the gospel to the world. You have to stop and marinate on this. That every single person who knows the Lord Jesus Christ gets to contribute to the gospel. Gets to put their hand to the plow. Gets to uh, be one of the team that goes forward and preaches the gospel. As you think about this, am I still excited? You need to stop and think. Am I excited to be part of this? Christ has commissioned us. Am I excited to be part of this? There are three questions you need to ask yourself to see if you've drifted. You need to evaluate yourself in your personal contribution to the greatest cause. That is the gospel to the world. Number one, are you burdened? Are you burdened? This is where it starts. Do you have a burden? Notice Paul says here, For I, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I'm not telling you of my ministry and my preaching so I can boast about it. I'm telling you about it because you need to have the heart, this heart too. You need to have this burden. When I say burden, I'm not saying something that, uh, something that you wish that you couldn't do, you didn't want to do. What I'm saying is this longing, inner longing compulsion to preach Christ, to evangelize. He says, for I am under compulsion. And that word there for compulsion means this necessity, this force, this feeling of an inward constraint, a compelling obligation. I got to do this. I have to do this. We know that the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 20, he said this, he talked about this compulsion. He said in uh, Jeremiah 20, 
Notice he said, for each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. Jeremiah is saying, every time I preach, people hate me. Every time I preach the word of God, there's derision. They don't want to listen to me. I become a reproach. And I am tempted to not say anything. I don't even want to say anything about Christ. And then he says in verse 9, But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire. shut up in my bones and I am weary of holding it in and I can't endure it. I have to tell people about Christ. This is what Paul is saying. And this is why, this is where if you were to back engineer this, backwards engineer this, it's not, it's not that people are uneducated about the gospel. The church knows the gospel. You hear it every Sunday in this church. It's not, it's not that you don't know enough facts or even enough verses. If you really come down to it, the burden is no longer there. We've become apathetic. Not all, but I know how this works because it's worked in my life too. Where I'm not focused on the gospel or this compulsion is not being fed anymore. So Paul says, you got to have this compulsion. You got to have this burden. And then he continues, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He uses this word. It's an amazing little word. It's woe or alas. It's a particle of interjection, which all that means is the small word of stopping everything. And he is saying, if I don't preach the gospel He's expressing extreme displeasure and calling for retributive pain on, on myself. If we were to use our words, we would probably say, I hate my life if that were to happen. You see the, the kind of burden and the compulsion that's there. And then he says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel or... I looked at the word. It's not really preach the gospel. It's really gospelize or evangelize. Euangelion. Is, is, it's the word that says, I, I, woe to me if I don't share the gospel. He says, if I don't get to give the gospel to someone, it will hurt me inwardly. Paul is thinking... I was on my way to persecute the church. I hated the church. I hated Christ. And Jesus was so kind to me. He kindly allowed me to understand the gospel. And in my impatience, sin, and defensiveness, I finally saw how all the parts came together. I know that God created us in his image. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew that part. He knew Genesis. He probably memorized it. Paul is thinking, I know I have sinned in a, and I'm separated from God and having a right relationship with him. And now I know that Jesus is actually your son. Coming to this earth, putting on flesh and dying on the cross. And now I believe and trust wholly in Jesus and I repent of my sins. And I have been granted complete forgiveness. I have joy in this. And let me, let me just stop right here. 
You, you ought to stop trying to proclaim Christ if you don't own him. You understand? Quit trying to reach your friends for Christ if you're not a Christian. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your goal is not to be evangelizing. Your goal is to be evangelizing yourself. Do you trust and repent in Christ? Now he says this, Paul is thinking, I have come to know him. How could I not speak of your glory? How could I not share of your love? How could I not warn of coming judgment? How could I not woo people to your forgiveness? I can't help it. I must speak about him. And now, here's the question. Notice he says in the text, there's a compulsion. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Here's the challenging question. Is this your heart today? Is it your heart today? Not someone else's. Please don't look around. I'm just saying. Is this your heart today? Why or why not? If the gospel is the greatest message. And you have been transformed. And that's what you say. Is your heart to know Christ more and to make him known. Here's another question. This is an easy test, okay? If in your school, in your workplace, in your gym, in your whatever, your, your social club, in your homeschool gatherings, wherever you're at, at your, uh, in your business, is, let me ask this challenging question, because this tells it all, okay? Is the gospel what you are known for? Well, that's not fair, Angelo. How could you say that about me? That's legalistic. No, I'm just asking a question. Is the gospel what you are known for? And because why? Because if it really is a compulsion and an obligation, a burning fire in your bones, you will be known for the gospel. See, it is a challenging test. Well, how dare you say that? I go to church every Sunday. I go to home group. No. Are you about the business of proclaiming Christ? Here's a challenge, okay? Here's what I suspect. The glories of heaven and the terrors of hell no, no longer affect you. Why? You've been lulled. Here's the question. What are, what are you filling your mind with? Because what you fill your mind with, you fill your heart with. And what you fill your heart with, that is what you do. You always do what your heart wants. You always do it. In that moment, you always do what your heart wants. Don't kid yourself. And so the Bible is a challenge to you. And God is, and Paul is challenging us. Are those terrors of hell... And the glories of heaven real to you anymore? Or have they just kind of gone away? That was when I was a young Christian when I went to summer camp. Not anymore. It's not that important anymore. It's 
If this is not your heart, your burden, can I just tell you? I, I don't follow all of you to your works, to your work, your job site, or your school. I, I don't follow you, okay? All your obligations that you need to do. But if this is not your heart, can I tell you kindly, you've already drifted. Into, you've drifted into dangerous and deadly and a deadly and joyless apathy. By the way, Paul is expressing what gives him the greatest joy. Did you know when you chase after those other things, you don't receive that joy? I've seen many Christians at their happiest. I've seen many Christians at their happiest when the gospel has gone forth and folks came to Christ. Maybe they're at a camp and they see people come to Christ. Or maybe they're at a mission, they go to a mission trip and they see people encouraged in Christ and people turn to Christ. And I see people at their happiest. And I've also seen Christians utterly depressed because they've gotten so worldly and are now apathetic to the gospel such that those thoughts of sharing the gospel don't even enter their mind anymore. And the reason why I speak like this is because apathy kills productivity. Apathy kills joy. Apathy no longer treasures Christ. That's not that bad. It is. You've left your first love, Christian. Verse 17, are you faithful? There's another question. He says, for I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if this is against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. All he's saying here is that this was not my choice ultimately to serve Christ. Ultimately, we know this. He goes, I'm not be, I did not choose this. I was given a stewardship. Ultimately, we know that. That comes from election. Paul, we know he was knocked off his, uh, he was knocked off his donkey, right? This is not some reward that I get because I so happen to choose Jesus out of my own good heart and intelligence. God has given this responsibility, this stewardship. You are called to make disciples of all nations. The question here is, have you been faithful? And to ask a question again. And we have to ask these probing questions because it tells us where I am. We're sometimes like this proverbial frog being boiled in a pot, not knowing that the water keeps getting hotter and hotter. We don't sense it anymore. When was the last time you've proclaimed Christ? When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Now, I don't mean to simply motivate by guilt. This is not my motivation. I'm just saying that this is where it starts in the heart. And God says you can start over every morning. I love that. Isn't that wonderful? And maybe you could, you're sitting there and say, man, you know, I got, I got kind of worldly. All I ever do is look at my phone. And 
I don't, I don't really read the word. I don't, I don't read good Christian books anymore. I don't listen to good Christian sermons. I don't hear the word of God in my life. I don't hang out with my Christian friends because they're too stuffy. I want to hang out with folks who like to do my hobbies. And now your hobbies become more important than the family of God. Lastly, are, are, are you generous? Look at verse 18. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge. So as to, as to make full use of my right in the gospel. And what Paul is saying is, my true reward is not that I get paid from the gospel. My true reward is that I have an absolute joy of being able to freely give the gospel. And you know this if you're a Christian and if you've been in ministry. This is the sweetest thing. That you actually see people, you give the gospel, you come together, you pray, you work hard, you preach the gospel, you share the gospel, you invite people. They come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the sweetest joy. Christian, remember that joy. Shake yourself from apathy. That is the enemy. Indifference. Paul says, I'll refuse my right because I want, I want to, I want to contribute my part in the proclamation of Christ. I want this part. That's my reward. I get to contribute. Some people come, some people, visitors come to the church and say, hey, I want to help serve. I No, 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 you can't serve. Why? You don't get to serve. Why? Do you know Christ? Many churches out there, they try, and I, 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 was t- I was talking to a guy who was just kind of disillusioned from the church. I talked to him for two hours in my backyard. He's looking for a church, so I was talking to him. And he goes, you know, they don't even care about me, or they don't even know what I believe. They just said, hey, why don't you join this ministry? And I said, in our church, you're not allowed. Why? Because we don't know where you're from. We don't know if you even trust Christ. And then when you trust Christ, you get to serve him. It is a joy, amen? It is a joy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a joy to be his spokesperson. It is a joy to open my mouth for him at any time. You get to do this, brothers and sisters. Will you do whatever it takes? First, are you joyful in that you personally get to contribute to the greatest cause? This is the greatest cause. This is the greatest endeavor. Christ bringing home his people. Secondly, you personally, here's the second motivation. You personally become a conduit for the greatest blessing. It's an amazing thought. Salvation to the lost. What do, what do I mean by this? That you actually, you get to be in the birthing room when someone comes to Christ in the, in the new birth. Now, when my wife, my wife had four kids and uh, she did not invite just any Joe Blow to come into the, into the delivery room to come see her. That was a privilege of trust, you understand. She invited my mom when she was living 
and her mom. It was one of trust and honesty and love. And they were able to be there and to share in that moment where you saw this new life that was already there, this new life, and you got to be part of it. You got to hold that baby first. You got to share in that moment. And God says this, God says this, that when you are involved and you are constantly looking for opportunity to share the gospel, you personally become a conduit for this greatest blessing. You get to be in the delivery room. How do you be a conduit? The Bible says you got to prepare yourself. It actually does say you have to prepare yourself. Notice he says in verses 19 to 23, Verses 19 to 23. First, you have to deny yourself. You got to deny yourself. You have to know that in order for me to win people, I have to make a conscious decision to deny myself of certain things. And he gives us this principle. Look at verse 19. This principle is voluntary enslavement. Voluntary enslavement. Look, notice he says here, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win the more. Notice what his goal is, that I might win the more. His goal his goal was not to win political arguments. Please listen. Not to win the challenge between conservatism and liberalism. Democrats or Republicans. That was not his goal. His goal was not to win apologetic arguments. By use of um, philosophical arguments. The uncaused cause kind of thing. His goal was not even moral arguments, not to win moral arguments. His goal, look at the text, was to win people. That changes the tone of everything. This changes your approach. I'm not there to mock the people I'm trying to win. You understand? To humiliate the people I am trying to win. Some people think that. Even sadly, some Christians think that. My goal is not to embarrass, to demean, to degrade people. My goal is to win them to Christ. We don't need to join in the arena of ideas where people themselves are our enemy. Rather, in Christ, the people, as they hear and convert to Christ, they are our victory. So now you don't look at people as enemies. You look at them as people who need to be one to Christ. And then he says, to that end, Paul says, the only way to win people is to place myself in this voluntary, voluntary enslavement. I have made myself a slave to all. He's just repeating what Jesus said. You remember what Jesus said? Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slaves of all. Now, what does this mean? 
This is what it means, and he'll explain it later. He goes, I will voluntarily enslave myself, and this is what he means. I will adjust the way I live. So that the maximum number of believers would listen to the gospel and be more open to it. I'll say that again. I will adjust the way I live so that the maximum number of unbelievers would listen to the gospel and be more open to it. See, this runs counter with our culture. I'm American. I want to live the way I want to live. Can't tell me what to do. Right? And yet Paul says, I know I'm free from the scriptures. I know all these, about all these things. I know what, what Christ has freed me from. I know the truth and the truth has set me free. But because I want the gospel to have its maximum reach, I adjust my life. And it's of no real consequence. I'll do it because of what is at stake. Now he says this. Well, this is not, I'm going to say this, this adjusting is not evangelism itself. In fact, it's the precursor to evangelism. And this is what we call in this church, we call this outreach. It's that connection that brings us with unbelievers so we could share the gospel. Right? You cannot share the gospel with unbelievers unless they're around you. Did you know that? Some of you think that. Some of you may think that. Well, you know, I want to share the gospel, Angelo. I want to share the gospel, really. Are you around unbelievers? No, never. I'm always in Bible study church. Okay, where are you going to see them? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, do you work? Yeah. Are there unbelievers there? Yeah. Well, why don't you share the gospel there? Oh, I wasn't thinking that way. So how do you adjust? He says, um, here are the modes in which you adjust. Number one, in the cultures of those around you. Notice in verse 20 to 21. He says, to the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And what he is saying is now, uh, Paul knows he is free from the ceremonies. He is free from... um, having to do the holidays. He is free from following the rituals. He knows all of those things. But if he gets to share the gospel because some other Jew invited him to a Passover Seder, come over, we're having Passover. Paul said, I'm going to go. Now, could he make a stink about, well, we've already crossed over and Christ fulfilled all the law. Yes, he could. Absolutely. But what he does, and I think one preacher said it, said it better than me. He says he holds biblical principles tight in one fist and he holds his own culture loosely. Why? The culture... I'm not talking about sin or anything. I'm just talking about cultural, cultural identity, your background language, uh, where you come from, your, uh, your finances, your country of origin, your ethnic origin, all of that in, a, in an amalgam of all added together. All he is saying is this, you know, it's of no matter to me if I get to share the gospel of Christ. If by some chance I get to be with them and share the gospel. So to the Jews, I became as a Jew. 
What were before in Paul, as one commentator says, before on Paul, what were legal requirements, now they become love restraints. Do you, you get my drift? I just do it because I love people and I want them to hear. So I'm careful with the way I live. I don't needlessly offend. Because I know the gospel is offensive already. I know when I preach it, it's very offensive. So why am I going to put my personality... Why am I going to make my personality so offensive? You know, I, I, oftentimes I've heard from people, well, I'm blunt. I, that's the way I speak and nothing can change me. That's, you know what? You're offensive. You're rude. No one's going to want to hear the gospel from you. I remember we were in a missions trip and we had an older guy on our missions trip. He was an older guy, old school. He said something very anti-Semitic. Right? He loves the Lord. He just thought it was funny. And he said something very anti-Semitic. And you got to imagine, I was a leader of this mission trip and I was probably in my 20s. In my 20s. And I pulled over, I pulled this 70-year-old aside and I had to rebuke him. I said, you do not speak that way because it is going to limit your usefulness in the gospel. Not only is it sin, but now you're causing offense. You will never be able to speak to any Jew about the gospel. Did you know that? And oftentimes we come across that when we cross these cultural lines and, and all, we, we offend each other sometimes by the kind of jokes that we may say. You've got to be very careful, brothers and sisters. You might say it in joking fashion, and I've been very guilty of this as well, of, of different cultural uh, jokes back and forth. But what that does is when someone is hurt, they don't want to hear you. Or sometimes you're, you're so, you, you become so, we have these, this weird subculture of Christianity where, you know, sometimes we, we homeschool our kids and we keep them in this monastery confinement and they become so weird that they can't even communicate with Christians. I mean, uh, with non-Christians, they're so socially inept. They're not able to even speak to other people and, and, when you talk to them and they can't even converse or have any simple conversations with unbelievers. You have made that. You have done that. You have shut yourself off. You're not a, like to the Jews becoming a Jew. You've not joined in. Why? Because you've had this monastery kind of protective kind of viewpoint where, can I tell you something? You have this kind of mon- monastic kind of view. You'll never ever reach anyone with that. You're just weird. He, he goes on. To those who are. To the, to the Gentiles. So it's to the Jews and to the Gentiles. To those without the law. Those are Gentiles. They didn't have the word of God. As without law. Though not being with the law of God. But under the law of Christ. That I might win those who are under the law. When he was with Gentiles, he worked among Gentiles. Now, and this is how, let me give you an application, okay? Here's an application. When, and this, we did this purposely for the gospel, okay? When our kids grew up, the rule in our house, okay, was whatever is served, you must eat. 
There is no, mom, could I have something else? There is none of that. There is no, I can't eat this portion. No, you must eat all of it. Now you're saying, Angelo, why are you so strict? That's so old school. Can't you let her not eat her carrots? Or her broccoli, right? And the reason was this, because we knew that God was going to send us to different cultures. And it is a huge offense when you are at their place and they serve you food and you do not eat it. Do you understand? All of a sudden that the opening for the gospel is now blocked. Many cultures are like this. And, and the culture we were going to, we knew that's what's happening. Okay? So, when we were on the field, and as soon as they shared foods, because sometimes they're ashamed, people are ashamed. Uh, you may not like what we eat. You might make fun of it or say something. But when they shared their food and our kids ate it, they were at ease. And all of a sudden, okay, let's talk about Christ. There was no block, do you understand? There was no cultural block. And in, in this sense, our family became all things to all men. Do you understand? It is those little things of discomfort, those little things of adjustment, those little things of maybe not doing what you want to do at that time so that you could reach people with the gospel. To the Gentiles, to the Jews, he continually explained how Christ is the fulfillment of the law when Paul got there. To the Gentiles, he continually explained the gospel in its entirety to a people who were largely pagan and polytheists. When Paul was around Gentiles, he lived like them. He ate with them. You're not going to get anywhere, brothers and sisters, unless you are reaching out and just being real, just being just living amongst unbelievers. So here's the rhythm. How do you manage all that? This is a lot of work. Here's the rhythm. As, as you go, you go to home group, you get encouraged, and then you go out and you share the gospel. You go to church, you get encouraged, and then you go out, in and out, together and then spread out together and then spread out and as you are spread out you make those connections right our kids are our kids are we, we're doing jujitsu and it's so funny it's so funny um they have a lot of people they all they all respect our kids and um on the mat and so but what what is so funny is we try to make connections and we try to not make anything uncomfortable so that we could share the gospel with them. But it's so funny. Every time, uh, every time we come inside, they change their music right away. Out of respect for us. Because it's just like vile, uh, vile hip-hop that's, that's playing. And so when we step in, into the gym, they go, oh, professor goes, oh, change it, change it, right? Change it. And everybody changes it, right? Out of respect. Because they love us, Right? And so we have that connection and relationship and that's what we're praying for. God, would you allow them to come? We want to become the best jujitsu student so that I could reach jujitsu students. Do you understand? 
So in wherever you're at, I want to be the best architectural student so that I could reach architectural student. I want to be the best representative as a Marine so that I could reach other Marines. I want to be the best student in my high school so I could reach other students. I want to play volleyball and show them what it looks like to win for Christ and to lose for Christ. One of them... I become weak. To the Jew, I become a Jew. To the, to the one without the law, I become, I become all things to all men. Again, not saying that we break biblical principle or that we sin or that we break any biblical ministry philosophy, but simply that I hold my culture loosely. I don't push it. I don't need to push the way I do things. Or the way my family does things, right? And then he says, also in the capacity of those around him. Look at verses 22 to 23. To the weak I become weak that I might be, win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I, might, I may by all means save some. Paul was willing to live like a Jew or a Gentile within the realm of scripture to win them. And he was also willing, now notice he says this, he was also willing to drop his level of explanation and comprehension to those who were weak in understanding the gospel. In other words, he changes the way he explains the gospel slowly so he, he, can, so he can watch them track. It's so important that people understand the gospel because in understanding the gospel, they receive the gospel and they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says he shifted. I think this is a, a wonderful explanation of shifting the way you teach, not changing the message of shifting the way you teach when you teach in Happy Harbor. You're going to teach completely different of how you teach in home fellowship group or in Crew 412, or in our college and career, or in a morning service. I am shifting my level of explanation so that they could understand. Why? Because I'm a slave to all men. Why? Because I want to win some for the gospel. I don't need to go over everyone's heads all the time and show all of my expertise in Greek or Hebrew. I don't need to do that. I just simply need to explain and convey the gospel so that the homeless guy who's on meth can hear it. So that the Marine who's from Iowa can hear it. So that the, the, so that the, uh, per, uh, so that the immigrant that just got here can hear the gospel. Now, also, he moves on. I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. And he moves on. And he says, if you want to personally become a conduit for the greatest blessing, right? You not only have to deny yourself, but you also have to discipline yourself. And here it is in verses 24 to 27. Verse 24 and 25. Let's look at the text again. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. There's three aspects of disciplining yourself, it says here. Number one, be intense. Be intense. Be intense. 
He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. I think this is something that we lack as Christians. We think that Christianity is something that's just, what is it? Rainbows and unicorns. And everything's nice and dandy. And there's no intensity of Christianity. There's no fight in Christianity. There's no pursuing excellence in Christianity. (laughs) Paul says, this is the way you ought to see it. That in ministry, when we proclaim Christ, we have to be intent, alert, diligent, seeking for opportunities, looking for them, and then saying, okay, we're going to go. Let's go do that. Oh, look, there's an opportunity. Let's go do that. Oh, look, someone is coming. Let's go invite them. Well, I invited them before. Invite them again. Well, it's too tiring. Get up. Invite them again. Why? Because this is the gospel. I remember, now I just have some illustrations, right? It was funny. <laughs> this is one of the funniest matches. Uh, my son is, 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 uh, is wrestling his first year. This is his first year. And he got a few matches. And he's just getting used to weighing in and then we eat right after and then we have to wrestle, right? So you have to weigh in to make a weight class. And, and he didn't know how this stuff works. So he weighed in, he made weight. And then he stuffed himself with a bunch of pineapple, okay? And then he had a bunch of baby bells, right? You know those things, those cheese? And he stuffed himself with all this cheese, right? Because he was so hungry. And I go, go, you can eat. But he just stuffed himself, right? <laughs> and it was so funny because when he wrestled, he was like, oh, oh. So he, was, he wasn't at his best. And he was just getting mowed over. Manny and I were looking at the... We were looking at the match right after, I think, home group or something. And Carlo was just getting beat. And then he would just muscle something through. And then he was, he was winning. And then it was just so intense. It was so intense at the last minute, okay? The last minute, the guy was on top of him. And then the ref called. And it was tied score. There was only probably 30 seconds left, right? The, and he, the guy was on top of Carlo. And Carlo was... Just, you could see his face on the video, uh, like this. He's just, uh. and the ref goes, ref already gave him a warning, and he said, one green stalling. So that means he got his other, his opponent got a point, because he's stalling, and Carlos like this, and you could just, you could just see him. I just, I go, he's going to lose. He's going to lose, right? And I, got, and I, I just shouted as loud as I could. Right, I said, get up, Carlo! You're losing! He gave you, you're down one point! Get up! And then in the video, Carlo goes like this. Oh, I love it. Oh my goodness, the drama. He was like this, getting beat. The guy was just, you know, twisting a half Nelson on his shoulder and he's getting beat. I said, get up! And Carlo goes like this. Lips like this. Ooh. And he jumps up and he, he escapes. Now the score is tied. You see? And he turns around and he goes for a takedown. And the girl is coming to tell the ref it's going to stop. Right? And Carlo gets the takedown with two seconds left. And he wins the match. 
And the coach from the other team throws his hat down, is angry and everything. We were like, yeah! Why do we... Why do we like that? We love what? The intensity. Right? And the drama of sports. Correct? It is a shame that we're so intense for sports. You're so intense for that promotion in the core. You're so intense at, in your grades. You're so intense playing video games that you want to beat people. You're so intense getting, uh, moving up in your company. It is a shame that you are more intense for these worldly things than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like Paul is saying to you, sluggish with pineapple in your belly get up get up amen he says and then he he repeats it look then they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable look everybody everybody is Expending themselves in some way. These athletes, they give up everything to put on this wreath of olives that only lasts maybe a week. They give up everything for that. And you have no intensity for the gospel. Why not you? Why not you? Why not me? Right? Secondly, be intentional. Be intentional. How do you discipline yourself? You be intense. You be intentional. He says, therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. (laughs) I box in such a way as not beating the air. I have to say this, okay? Notice the intention. When you box and, and you're in a match, you don't throw punches you don't throw punches just without trying to hit the person. You don't throw fake. You may faint like this, but you're just not throwing jabs like there. Why? Because you leave yourself open and you're going to get hit. Okay? And so Paul says, when I throw, I'm looking to land. I want to trade leather. This is what Paul is saying. Right? You got to understand this kind of boxing, this is pancrase. This is mixed martial arts. They used to box and wrestle together as a sport. Okay? So what he's saying is, when I box, I'm, I'm boxing with bad intention. What in the world? <laughs> with bad intention. And so what he says here, now, sadly, some of you have become so apathetic to Christ that you make no intention of sharing the gospel. It doesn't even come into your mind. You're not even thinking about it when you're with your unbelieving friends. You're not even thinking about how you could open your mouth. You don't even prepare and it's not even in your mind. You just go through your day trying, this is the way you see Christianity. You go through your day trying not to sin but doing nothing positive for the advancement of the gospel. I just want to go there and come out. I don't, don't want to talk to anybody. And Paul says, you need to box with a target. My daughter, um, 
she finally ended her season this uh, yesterday. Uh, we had a CIF competition, and she said, Dad, that was the hardest thing I've ever done physically. And I said, and you did well. Praise the Lord. You did well. She had to watch her weight. She had to work out. Sometimes she was like, I don't feel strong here. You need to stretch that, and you need to. She had to do whatever it took so that she could win. That's how you need to see the Christian life in proclaiming Christ. Lastly, be prepared. He says, verse 27, but I buffet my body and make it my slave. Lest possibly after I preach to others, I myself shall be disqualified. I have a lot of wrestling illustrations because that's what I just came from yesterday. Okay, So you'll have to bear with me. Last year we saw, this was one of the saddest things, but we saw uh, some of these girls, they were so, so good at wrestling. And they were seniors, but she came and she missed weight. And she was supposed to go to state and win state and everything. And she missed weight and she cried and cried and cried and cried. And we were all looking at her. She worked so hard and she missed weight. And here, brothers and sisters, as an encouragement to you is as we follow Christ, we want to do everything that we can do in our lives to line up with consistency with the gospel. Because if we do not, the Bible says our ability to be an influence to others disqualifies us. You lose that salt. You lose that light. So, where are we? Do whatever it takes. You get, why? Because you get to contribute to the cause. Why? Because you become a conduit of blessing to others. Have you failed, brothers and sisters? I say this to myself too. Have you failed? We could repent. We could start today. We could be changed today and go back to him and ask for forgiveness. God, I've not been bold. I haven't even been thinking about the gospel to my neighbors. Why don't you write down some people who you would want to reach? Just write it down and just start praying. Here are my neighbors. Here are my roommates. Here here are my classmates. Let me just start praying for them. Hey, there's some event happening. Let me invite them. Oh, they want to they want to go to coffee. Okay, let me go to coffee with them and let me have a goal of waiting for this looking at this conversation. Oh, here's where I could preach Christ. Oh, here's where I could give the gospel. Oh, here's where I can give the gospel. God, I want to change the way by God's grace. I want to change the way I am. And I want I want to be known for the gospel. Brothers and sisters, do whatever it takes. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this. We praise you for your kindness and your love. We pray that we would pursue you, that we would have the burden that Paul had. And Lord, let it dominate us. May we not be satisfied with just simply going to church, going to home group. But Lord, by reaching to our neighbor or reaching our relatives, reaching God, oh, use us, make us conduits of your grace. Give us the intensity, the in fire again. 
In Jesus' name, amen.